it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, welcome back to the One Foot Down Podcast. This is our 27th episode, our Spring Practice Preview Part 2. This is Eric Murtaugh back as your host. And with me again is Lars up from Canada, still celebrating his two gold medals in Olympic hockey. Lars, how are you doing? I'm doing good, and, uh, you know, I, I played a pretty key role in both of those medals, so obviously I'm, I'm pretty proud. I'm expecting my own medal uh, to arrive in the mail any day here, so that's pretty exciting stuff as well. Now I would bet that uh, most Canadians would feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's a lot of uh, medals that have to be shipped through the mail. Yeah, well, it's not that many. We're a pretty small country population-wise, eh? So <laughs> There you go. All right, so today we're going to talk about the defense. Uh, we went over the offense in part one, and, uh, you know, one of the things that you talked to me about before we came on the air here is, uh, is leadership. That's one of the things, uh, you know, you, you said there's not really a guy that's sticking out as someone who's going to really become like a Manti Teo or... Uh, Zach Martin or Tyler Eifert, and that's something uh, that you're going to focus on here with the uh, with the defense. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's certainly something to talk about, and I think that's something to talk about in the team in general. Like in the past, we've had guys coming back, like a Kyle Rudolph, like a Michael Floyd, like a Tyler Eifert, like a Manti Teo, like a Zach Martin, a Chris Watt, uh, Lewis Nix, for example, Stefan Tuitt, guys who 
you know, have a resume of playing, have played at a high level, or are obvious guys for potential leadership roles, but also obvious guys who you pretty much know what you're going to get out of them, um, that they've been consistently good and there's not a whole lot of question marks with them. We, we really don't have that this year. Don't get me wrong, we've got lots of guys with potential and, and a lot of potential talent, but I think what you're going to see, we certainly saw it on offense, and you see the same thing on defense, is that there's talent there, but there's a lot of question marks. There's nobody that you're kind of going, yeah, no, we really don't need to worry about that guy. We know what we're going to get out of him pretty much for sure. We we certainly don't have that, and I think that that's true of their play on the field, and that's also very true in terms of who are going to be the leaders on this defense, who's going to step up and uh, and really take the bull by the horns, and I don't know who that person's going to be. Jalen Smith is an obvious one, um, and certainly he's going to be a leader just based on his position, his experience. Uh, Kavari Russell is probably a guy who's going to step up and, and play that role. Although even when you look at Kavari Russell, um, you know he struggled a little bit at the start of the year last year with some man coverage things, but by the end of the year was playing very well. But outside of Kavari Russell, I don't know if there's any real locks there. Um, you know, Jalen's probably a little young to be a, a formal leader on the defense in terms of captaincy. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. What do you think about Jarek Grace? He's probably the one guy that sticks out to me. Yeah, he's another guy who, I mean, I think you're bang on, Eric. My only question with him is I'm really worried about that leg, and can he come back and play at the level that we need him to play at? Um, and I mentioned this in the offensive podcast those you know a lot of times they'll say breaking a bone is better than you know damaging a ligament to your knee or something like that and and that's quite often true in terms of the healing process but when you start breaking some of those big bones in your leg um, and especially significantly break them it's sometimes sometimes you don't come back from that uh, not to be overly pessimistic but but those are those are scary injuries and and so I'm very worried about that but yeah he'd be an obvious um, leader coming back next year, assuming that he can return to near or to the you know to full health physically. You know, it'd be kind of a surprise. It'd be Shaq Williams. Yeah, he's going to be a senior, most likely a starter at whatever position they uh, call uh, his rush position is kind of what we're calling it. Not sure if he has the demeanor, but it'd be nice if he could step up and be kind of that one guy. Yeah, we've—it's uh, almost like Groundhog Day here. We have this conversation almost every year. Is this going to be the year where he breaks out? That sort of thing. Obviously, with Prince Shembo gone, there's much more opportunity now for him to to have that breakout year. And and I'd agree with you in terms of his demeanor. I'm not sure he's a necessarily a guy who's going to get up in the in the locker room and and give an impassioned speech or anything like that. He's probably more of a lead by example guy, but. Yes, he's definitely a guy who could be um, a great player for us next year, but he's really symbolic of this entire team and this entire defense. Lots of talent. We've seen some flashes, but we're still not 100% sure. All right, like lots of football teams, we are seeking leadership and seeking productive players. They kind of go hand-in-hand hand sometimes. So uh, let's take a look at the positions here. Um, just a note before we get started. Um, I'm basically going to use the same positions that I had for my depth chart engineering post from a couple weeks ago. Um, I'll give you defensive ends, defensive tackles, inside linebackers, um, a rush linebacker, which is the, uh, the cap position under Diaco, 
um, an outside linebacker, which is the old dog position under Diaco, and then work with our corners and safety. So let's start with the defensive ends. Um, we have Chase Hounshell coming back off of injury. I believe he's 100% healthy. He's basically missed two straight years with injuries. Um, Sheldon Day is pretty much your uh, returning starter at defensive end. Um, he's had a nice first two years. Um, dealt with a little bit of injuries last year. Uh, Isaac Rochelle is another player we have tabbed as a defensive end. He's kind of a one of those guys like Day who could play inside, outside. Um, he had a nice little freshman year as well. Um, Jacob Matuska had a red shirt last year. He'll be coming into his second year with Notre Dame. Big, lanky kid. Um, some promise there as well. And the team also has uh, Andrew Trimbetti, uh, my favorite recruit from 2014. He's one of the early enrollees. Uh, what are you looking for out of this group? Are you looking for someone to kind of step up next to Day and be that, that other starter? Or are you looking for uh, more than one guy? What, what's going through your mind here with these defensive ends? Um. And you're probably going to hear this refrain from me a few times. I'm I'm concerned about this depth chart um, and this list of players. Uh, there's some nice pieces here, but again, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, Sheldon Day would be a good example of a guy that we think that we know what we're going to get out of him, and, and uh -huh. it's reasonable to expect a good year from him, although he did have some injury issues last year and missed a lot of football. Um, uh, you know, big, big Chase, I really, I've always liked him. I've you know, right from the time he was a freshman, I thought he was a pretty good, solid kind of lunch pail, bring your lunch pail player, and and very disappointing that he got injured so much. I think he's a guy who can play, but man, when you've had what has he had two shoulder surgeries now at that position, that's pretty tough. And to come back after missing two years of football and to be counted on heavily, that's going to be a big task. Um, Rochelle, you know. I, I thought he did okay as a freshman. When I watched him, he was a guy, he was kind of like a Kona Schwenke for me, a guy that I wish we could have redshirted because um, I think that year will be more valuable later. Um, at times he just looked, well, he looked like a freshman playing Division One football. He just wasn't quite big enough, strong enough, explosive enough. Uh, so I'll be really interested to see his progression. And then the rest of the guys, again, it's the same thing. We you know, we get to see them and, and see what they can do. But it's uh, this is a pretty thin depth chart right now, and uh, it's one that concerns me. You know, the one thing that Notre Dame has done a nice job of in terms of their recruiting recently is is developing some position flexibility. So they've got some guys that can come from an outside linebacker to play defensive end. And, you know, they've probably got some guys who are going to be listed as D-tackles that could play defensive end. But I look at this as a as a, a thin depth chart right now. Yeah, and that's one thing, especially here in the spring, as we're kind of previewing what we're going to see here in the next couple of weeks. You know, not, not a whole lot of bodies when you factor in. Uh, I'm going to go look at the defensive tackles here. You have Justin Utupo coming back for a fifth year, and then Jaron Jones is another player uh, that kind of fits more on the inside as an interior prospect. Um, you know, you also have Tony Springman, but I believe he's not going to be ready for the spring, at least our last update via Brian Kelly said that he was kind of behind schedule uh, with his injury. So, uh, you know, that's only two bodies on the defensive tackle as far as we're listing it. So, it's, you know, we're going to have to work with some walk-ons here during the spring, and who knows how that can affect the development of both sides of the ball, really. Yeah, no question. It's going to be tough to go full go and uh, and really make it work. Um, you know, maybe you see a guy come over from the offensive line and, 
and fill in a little bit. But again, the defensive tackle position is uh, is worrisome. Um, I'm a big Springman fan as well. I think he's a sneaky good pass rusher. Um, although you know it, we got to see how he comes back from that knee injury. Um, and Jones, Jones is a perfect example again of a guy with some talent. He definitely showed us some some flashes last year. Um, really did some nice things. But let's keep in mind this is also a guy um, you know halfway through the season that was uh, had been demoted to the scout team, and and really he's <laughs> the most experienced guy we have coming back at defensive tackle right now. So that's a little bit of a, a bit of a scary position to be in. All right, let's take a look at inside linebacker. Um, you know, when you factor in some of the freshmen that are coming in, the depth chart looks all right. But for this spring, we have Kendall Moore as a fifth-year senior. Um, Jarek Grace will be out, still nursing that pretty terrible broken leg that he suffered. Um, we have Schmidt as a, as a former walk-on now, the scholarship he played a little bit last year. And then you have Michael Deeb, a redshirt freshman. Uh, might be surprising some people this spring. What do you think about this inside linebacker spot as they lose Carlo Calabrese and Dan Fox and are now two years away from the Manti Teo era? Yeah. Um, well, again, I'm in my broken record phase, but but it's a worrisome position for sure. Um, you know you know what you're going to get out of Schmidt, and he's going to go out and do a good job, and he's going to fill a niche for you. And I think you can be pretty confident that you're going to get the same thing out of him, a guy who can come in and and play some nickel stuff for you and do a, a pretty respectable job there, and he's going to come and, and work hard for you. So you, you know what you're going to get there. Obviously, Moore and, and Deeb. Um, you know, I, I like Kendall Moore. I like the way he plays. Um, and I'm really excited to see him get this opportunity, and, and I think there's a good chance that he might be able to earn. He might surprise people a little bit this year, and, and we'll see how he is on the pass coverage. I know that's kind of always been the knock on him, but... Uh, he could be one of those guys who uh, who breaks out for us and kind of has that Jonas Gray type year where we've just been waiting for him to kind of take off and he, he finally does it. And then Michael Deeb going to be definitely going to be watching him very very closely. Um, he certainly has the inside track to a significant playing time. Um, you know, in that there's lots of question marks in uh, the inside linebacker position. He seems to be the guy who's uh, who's kind of going to be given the first opportunity to, to get some of those reps. So we'll see how, how he develops as well. Um, there's nobody in that group that I look at that, you know, if you've read my post on Nels Morgan, I really like, you know, kind of a sideline to sideline linebacker and and uh, I'm not such a big fan of the 250-pound guy who's going to plug the A-gap and the B-gap for you. I like a guy who can who can really get her fly around the field. And, and I don't see that on the roster right now. So hopefully we get that with some of these young guys coming in. Now, just to, due to his lack of size, do you think you know Schmidt's kind of the odd man out this spring and we'll see more and D basically being the first team inside linebackers if we're still running a 3-4 for the majority of the snaps? Yeah, based on what the scheme's going to be, that's exactly what I think that we'll see is, uh, I mean... I think you know what you get out of Schmidt. You know what his limitations are, and and while I like you know a smaller, faster linebacker, I'm not sure that uh, that he can play that inside linebacker on a consistent basis in a in a three four, um, unless you want to change your defense around quite significantly and 
and sort of highlight Joe Schmidt and protect him, but I, I don't think that's your best bet. So, yeah, I think we're going to see more and Deeb really get some opportunities there. And, uh, and certainly ahead of Schmidt would be my guess. All right. Um, let's take a look at the rush linebacker spot. Um, kind of your 4-3 defensive ends as they were. Uh, we have Ishak Williams coming back as a senior. Um, we have Anthony Rabasa listed here. He has two years of eligibility left. And Romeo Carl, who sneakily is already a junior, has played two years already. Um, that's pretty much the, the depth chart there. Uh, a couple freshmen coming in, but they won't be here for the spring. Um, I would seem to think that most people like Ishak and Akwari here as a one-two punch. Do you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it'd be nice to see what Rabasa can do, and we're probably going to get that opportunity in the spring to see him a little bit more. But I think we're I think we're in pretty good shape with. Uh, with Ishak and Okwara, um, you know, I, I think that's a, a nice two deep, and I think we'll get good production out of that position with those so two guys. That's the one position we don't have a broken record on yet. No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, so the other outside linebacker position, um, again, not a great depth chart right now in the spring, which is often the case for most teams because they don't have an entire class of freshmen to uh, help things out. Um, Obviously, Jalen Smith, the big player, the big star, coming into his second year at Notre Dame after finishing the season in 2013 third on the team in tackles. Um, ben Council still recovering from his knee injury. Uh, Brian Kelly's last update was pretty positive about him, but I imagine that he's not going to be ready um, at all for any contact in the spring, so kind of rule him out. And the other player we've kind of... At one point, we had him at middle linebacker. I think he's probably going to get moved here, maybe for some depth, depth reason, is, is Randolph, uh, a redshirt freshman. Pretty athletic kid. Uh, you know, He could grow into maybe an inside linebacker, but uh, played more of an outside linebacker, Ed Rusher, in, in high school. Uh, you know, Jalen Smith's going to be a rock at this position as long as he's on the roster. So, uh, you know, what are you looking at beyond what Jalen brings? Well, and let me just talk a little bit about Jalen first, okay. and, and I agree with you 100%. I mean, he's, you know, he had a very, very nice freshman year, and, and he's an obvious talent, and, uh, you know, I think he's someone that we really need to build the defense around. Um, and, you know, and I just, I wonder what they're going to do with him, and I've written this in posts before, is I'd like to see him get some opportunities play from the middle of the field and be able to impact both sides of the football. Um, one of the things I don't like about that outside linebacker position is you it's easier to, to avoid an outside linebacker uh, in terms of running away from him, running plays to the other side, that sort of thing. If they're in the middle and they're kind of freed up and allowed to flow and with uh, Jalen's athleticism, he is, I know it's a cliche, but he is literally a guy who can cover sideline to sideline and can make plays just about anywhere. And so I hope the staff considers um, finding some ways to, to move into the middle and, and use him in a position that, uh, that he can impact the entire field sideline to sideline. So he'll be in pretty good shape there. And then, uh, you know, council, the question is whether or not he comes back healthy and, and how that goes. Um, and yeah, and and Doug Randolph is a really interesting player. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. And uh, again, is he a guy who can slide back into the middle or not? And, and 
yeah, so it'll be interesting to see his development. But uh, for me, the biggest story at that outside linebacker position is how are we gonna how are we gonna use Jalen Smith to really impact the game? There's a guy you can build your defense around. Now I know I know this kind of doesn't really seem like a huge distinction, but would you go as far as moving Jalen Smith kind of into that three four will inside linebacker spot or do you want to see more of like traditional 4-3 with him kind of being in the middle of the field? Do you think he can do both? Uh, he could. He certainly could do both. Um, you know, what I'd, I'll tell you my own personal bias is, you know, if you're running a 4-3, I love that middle linebacker position, and I would take a guy like Jalen Smith if I'm running a 40 front, and Jalen Smith would be my middle linebacker. And I do that for a couple reasons. One is I know that I can protect him and allow him to get sideline to sideline. Um, I can use a defensive line to kind of fill some of those gaps and, and just let him flow and be a disruptive force. If I'm going to use a 30 front, I still, I love a 30 front, but I like three linebackers. And, and so, you know, I would almost look at, in some situations, using more of a 3-3 type setup and, uh, and putting Jalen Smith almost as a rover and allowing him just to kind of flow and just keeping those linemen off of him. I don't... I don't really want to see, not that I don't think he could do it, because I know he could take on guards and that sort of thing, but, but I would much rather see him free, let some other guys take on the guards, and let him just go and, and slash and attack. So I would, I would use him as a middle linebacker in a 40, for sure, and, uh, and I would use him in more of a 3-3 a type look. I know some people don't like the 3-3, but um, you know, with Jalen Smith, I think you could you could have a lot of fun with that. So I don't know that I'd use him at that will position necessarily out of a 30 front, but I definitely think he could do it. Huh. That's really interesting. All right, let's talk about the corners. Uh, a lot of bodies here. Uh, Jalen Brown, Josh Atkinson are both seniors. Uh, Jalen Brown has a, another year of eligibility left. Uh, Kavard Russell, presumed returning starter. Uh, Rashad Kinlaw is coming back. Um, kind of banged up as a in high school and redshirted last year. Devin Butler uh, played a, quite a bit last year as a freshman. Cole Luke played even more as a freshman last year. Um, you know, it's pretty good position here, uh, pretty good depth. Um, assuming Russell's going to be that, that one starter, who, who do you think is going to step up here in the spring and kind of be that second guy? Whew, that's a good question, and yeah, I would agree with you that uh, you know Russell looks like the real deal, and and we probably find a guy found a guy there that we can uh, leave on an island from time to time, and really he's probably going to become that guy that uh, plays against the other team's best receiver, and I think he'll excel there. The other guy to to remember is uh, Cody Riggs, the transfer from Florida, the fifth year transfer, who. Uh, I would not be surprised if he slides into the starting role um, as the other corner, just based on his experience and having played Division One football. So, but I, you know what? I don't know who's going to take over there. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, you got to think that Luke maybe has a little bit of an inside track there, but that's going to be a tremendous, tremendous battle. And the thing that I'll be looking for is can these guys play man coverage? That's the number one thing that I think we're lacking out of our, our corners is that ability to just lock up and play man coverage. If we can do that, if we can lock up, and really this day and age you almost need to be able to lock up three receivers, two wide receivers in a slot. If we can do that. If we can lock up with them, um, then that's going to 
that's going to help us hide some weaknesses in our uh, in our front seven. So that's probably to me the most intriguing thing. I'm also interested to see uh, um, Jalen Brown and Josh Atkinson how they do if they can, um, you know, if they can make an impact if they can get out there a little bit. I think think that'll be interesting. Thanks for reminding me about Riggs. I just added him to our depth chart. I kind of forgot about him. Uh, I think Jalen Brown's a really interesting player. I've always been impressed with him when he plays. I know he's often in games late, you know, kind of garbage time minutes or what have you, but you know, I really like his length, his height, physicality. I always wondered what the issue was with him in terms of him not being able to earn more playing time and kind of disheartening to see Butler and Luke as true freshmen kind of pass him up last, last year. Yeah, I'm the same way, and uh, you know, I'm exactly the same as you, Eric. I look at him, and I like that length. And you know, he was a guy that was reasonably well thought of coming in. And uh, yeah, the, those are the little stories that I'd really like to hear and see. Is what you know? Why have these other guys kind of at least seemingly passed him on the depth chart? So I, I think that'll be very, very interesting to watch in the spring as well. All right, the last position group that we're going to cover here is safety. Also. A good deal of bodies here. Um, Austin Collinsworth coming back for fifth year. Uh, Eli Hardy and Matthias Farley are seniors, both with a, an extra year of eligibility left. Uh, Nikki Barati coming off an, an injury uh, in his second year. Uh, Elijah Shoemate uh, is now a junior. And uh, Turner is also a junior as well with an extra year of eligibility. And lest we forget Max Redfield, uh, the five-star true freshman who is now a rising sophomore, um, you know, you could probably sit down and do 50 different combinations of uh, who's going to start at safety. What are some of your thoughts uh, as all these bodies are kind of jam-packed in the depth chart at, uh, for uh, spring practice? Yeah, and, and I'm going to be in the minority here, Eric, but uh, I think the safety position right now is probably the most overrated position on the entire roster. Um Excuse me. I, I hear a lot from fans. Oh, you know, we we've got we're so deep at safety, and we got so many guys at safety. And yeah, if you look at number of stars, you know, based on performance in high school, and if you look at number of bodies, yes, we got a lot of guys there and lots of guys with potential. But uh, what have they ever done at the Division One level? Um, all of them have shown some flashes. Um, all of them seem to have potential, but Frankly, this group has been wildly inconsistent in their play, um, particularly last year. And so I'm I'm concerned about this group. I you know I hope they can develop into the players that we think that they're going to be. Um, but I've yet to see any evidence um, of it, other than sort of you know what they did in high school, which to me doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. You know I, I guess that's a little bit unfair to say because we have seen some flashes of it on on the field and in particular I thought as a freshman shoemate you know was actually at times pretty dynamic in that nickel position and he looked to me like a guy who didn't totally know what he was doing all the time but just made some crazy athletic plays and was just a real uh, gamer and he he showed some flashes of that last year but I was pretty disappointed with him um, Hardy's another guy who he didn't get to play much till the end of the year and, and to be honest with you when he first started playing I thought he looked pretty slow, pretty tentative. Um, as the year progressed, I thought he played better and better. Um, so, you know, there's some potential there. And then there's a guy like Max Redfield. Well, there's just not enough. We haven't had enough yet of him. I mean, he's a guy who obviously has a lot of potential, and we all hope that he's 
that he'll pan out like we think he's going to, but really he's only had one game of extended playing time, and, and you know, it's difficult to evaluate, you know, how he played. He didn't do anything spectacular, but uh, he didn't stand out as as looking bad or anything like that. So it's a really, really interesting group. And then you've got guys like Collinsworth and, and Farley who are pretty experienced players, but, um, you know, weren't great last year, didn't have great seasons. And so are those guys who are going to bounce back and, and who can be at the top of the, of the depth chart or some of these younger guys going to start to to realize their potential and, and pass them by? It's a, it's a very intriguing position group. Um, you know, I'm not sold yet that it's as good as, as we think it, it is based on what the recruiting services say and all that sort of thing, but I'd, I'd love to be wrong on that one. There's also no question in my mind that this group can be electric and, and has the potential to, but I'm, I don't know, I'm a little worried about this group. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, it's kind of like uh, people say, well, my team's returning all five starting out of linemen, and just that fact alone kind of makes people think that they're going to be good or better, but you know, I think looking at the safety position, you know, seven guys that are just okay isn't really what we're looking for. We're kind of looking for two or three guys who are good to very good. So, you know, you need someone to step up here out of this position group and, you know, hopefully one or two guys can do it. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, experience there, a lot of veteran ability. Um, I was pretty pleased with the way Hardy played last year. He's kind of a, a guy who kind of looked like he was going down a path where he wasn't going to be making a contribution and, you know, he ended up with you know, it was 25 tackles or something like that. I would definitely wouldn't have said that was going to happen before the season. So, um, you know, I, I like what he brought to the table. And I think Schumacher's going to bounce back in a big way. Um, and I'm really interested to see how uh, defensive coordinator Brian Van Gorder, you know, treats these safeties and what he's looking for. So uh, let's talk about that new defensive coordinator. Is there is there something you want to kind of talk about what you're looking for in the spring? Is there... Are you looking cool. at it more from a scheme wise? Are you looking at teaching fundamentals? What are you thinking about with uh, BVG now as the new defensive coordinator? Yeah, and I wrote a little bit. You know, I kind of wrote my quote unquote open letter to him and talked a little bit about some of the things that I think we'd all like to see. And and obviously Bob Diaco did a great job of you know building a foundation of fundamentals. And I think there's no question under Bob Diaco's leadership, the fundamentals significantly for the Notre Dame defense and so the question for me is can Van Gorder you know continue that and and not sort of abandon those fundamentals but build on it and specifically I think what all the Irish what we're all kind of looking for in our you know not that our defense you know statistically it was a, a pretty good defense it was an improvement from what what we've had in the past but what was missing with that defense was that kind of, you know, explosiveness and suddenness, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna control the game and we're gonna dictate to the offense. And it always kind of felt that we were playing conservative and we were sort of worried about making a mistake, and and we were gonna play a lot of bend but don't break, and the offense was gonna kind of dictate to us. And uh, I think we're looking for a change in that and some signs that that we can do that, that we can attack, and that we can dictate and that we can make plays and that we see more sacks and more tackles for losses and those sorts of things. Obviously the ideal scenario is that we continue to limit the big plays, we continue to show you know 
really good fundamentals and all that sort of thing with with just some more aggressive play in terms of more tackles for losses, more sacks, more turnovers. Yeah, I mean, last year it seemed like if Diaco blitzed, he often brought a safety or maybe a corner occasionally. Um, There's a couple other positions you think Brian Van Gorder can take advantage of and bring some guys from different areas, different angles? Yeah, I, you know, I always thought that the the blitz package was a little vanilla and a little conservative, and I, I think it's you know even less about bringing because you know if you're bringing safeties and corners that sort of thing, they, even that's fairly ex- exotic. It's just how you design it, and the one thing that I always felt under Diaco's system a little bit is that uh, that they weren't willing to sometimes sell out and take a chance on a on a blitz, and that was one problem. And the other thing is, I found that. Uh, the defensive line and the linebackers, or I should say the defensive line and the blitzers didn't always work well. I don't think Notre Dame did a great job of leveraging those great pass rushers that they had in blitzing situations. And so by, like, what I mean by that is, you know, often they would have, they'd run some combinations where they'd do some slanting and then they'd do some blitzing. And um, it was actually fairly easy for defenses or for offensive lines to pick up because they just they just do a bit of sliding, and the slant actually worked against Notre Dame. Um, you know, one of the strengths of the Notre Dame defensive line was, you know, if I'm going to be blitzing, I want Lewis Nix engaging someone because, you know, they're not. If if I'm head up on Lewis Nix and Lewis Nix engages me, I'm not going to be able to slide over and pick up a blitzer, right? If I'm head up on Lewis Nix and he slants. Now I don't have to worry about engaging him. It's easy for the slide protection to pick him up. So I think, I think that they need to get a little bit more creative in terms of how they blitz, and and uh, I think the parts need to work together a little bit more effectively. So what I would like to see is a little more, um, you know, kind of some crossing and looping motion in there, and and definitely doing a better job of of the defensive linemen occupying uh, occupying blockers and to free up linebackers and safeties when you're going to send them. Now, a player who I think maybe could really help out in this regard is Eshock Williams. Um, you know, that outside linebacker position the past couple of years in that 3-4, Prince Shembo has basically been a guy with his hand on the ground, um, either getting after the passer or, you know, eating up blocks on the edge trying to set the edge. But I think Eshock can really be someone who could bring you a lot of versatility. He's not going to be someone who's always going to have his hand on the ground and just you know, strictly to do what Prince Shembo did. He could drop back, uh, you know, possibly move from one side of the other line to the other, you know, fake like he's going to drop back in coverage and actually come on a blitz. Do you think he could be someone who could really help out the team in terms of their aggressiveness, getting after the quarterback and making negative plays? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think where guys like Eshack and Jalen Smith in particular can help to create that confusion is that they can be hybrid players in that, just like you said, a guy like Eshack Williams, he could put his hand down, play like a 40 front. He could slide in and play uh, defensive end. He could play outside linebacker and drop. He could pass rush. And so when you've got a player who can do all those things and 
and be reasonably proficient at them, uh, then you know you leave the offense guessing a little bit. So I think I think you're bang on. I think that makes a huge difference. And I think Jalen Smith is the same type of player where he can come from different spots and uh, he can blitz, he can drop, he can play the run. And then if we could develop someone in the in the safety core that's like that, that can kind of come into the box, that can blitz, but can also lock up on a receiver. If you start to get that. Now you can have some fun with with your packages and uh, and you can really do some damage. So yeah, I'd say Ishak is a is a key player, and I'd agree with you 100%. He's got the skill set more so than Prince Shembo to be that type of player. All right, is there anything you want to talk about with the defense and spring practice? Um, I I just think the last thing, and we probably won't see much of this in spring practice, but I think the last thing that we got to really keep our eye on is, uh, I guess there's two things coming out of the secondary. One is, do we have someone who can play nickel? Someone who can go in and lock up on a slot receiver or, um, you know, someone who can go in there and lock up, play man-to-man coverage and uh, and really make a difference in, in you know, the more advanced offenses that we're seeing where we see these three receiver sets. And then the other thing is, can the secondary play man coverage? Because, you know, as much as guys like Ishak are going to be important and maybe we're blitzing Jalen off the edge a little bit more and that sort of thing, the reality is if we can't play man coverage, we're not going to be able to play more aggressively. There's no question about that. So I think, you know, in the last few years, really our fr- the strength of our defense has been that front seven. And I think we're if things go, if the Notre Dame defense has success, likely what's going to happen is the strength of that defense is going to be the secondary, and I, I certainly think there's the talent there to do it. Now they just got to develop and actually make it happen. But I think, you know, on paper, the strength of this defense should be the secondary, and that group is definitely going to need to do a good job. Um, it's definitely going to need to improve uh, in nickel situations, and it's definitely going to need to improve its ability to play man coverage. If we can do that, the secondary might be able to protect that front seven a little bit because we're a little we're a little thin in the front seven, and and uh, we're probably not as talented as we've been the last few years. So it's time for the secondary to step up. All right, some great thoughts there from Lars. That's going to wrap up our twenty uh, seventh episode here, our spring practice preview. Uh, Notre Dame takes to the field Monday, March 3rd. I'm assuming Brian Kelly will have a press conference um, either that Monday or possibly this upcoming Sunday before they take the field, and we will have coverage on that. And uh, I'm Eric Murtaugh, that's Lars, and we will see you in another week or two.